In this podcast, I introduce Brian Fitzpatrick, the emotional intelligence guru. Brian will give us an emotional vocabulary to use and give us some tips and tools around profound listening. Welcome to the GAF podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. Welcome to the GAF podcast. So good to have my good friend, Brian Fitzpatrick, here with me today. Great to be here again. I always get excited when we do these things together. Uh, (laughs) We've been doing it for a while now. Brian, for those who uh, listened to our last podcast, he was my PE teacher at school, introduced me to my wife, was the MC at my wedding, and coached a bit of hockey with me. Yep. Yep. Long, long history. Um, And... You know, I'd say about 90% of your success is due to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's move right on, Brian, to your skill sets around this concept of emotional intelligence. Now, I read the book on it. I must admit I looked at more of the pictures than some of the reading. Yeah, it's a pretty pretty academic tome, um, Daniel Goleman's Emotional Intelligence. So I think what we've tried to do here is to crystallise it down to a, a few ideas that might be able to use on the run when you're working with clients. And that's the whole design of this podcast is around additional skill sets for advisors to use to be successful in this high net wealth family space. Sure. And I think um, we might have said it before, but um, I think most of the time that um, people leave their advisors is because of the quality of the relationship. So if we can make that stronger, I think, um, you know, you've got clients for a, a very long time, if not for life. I think you're right there, Brian. And the backdrop to all of that is this EQ versus IQ. And a lot of us have come through uni. We're all technically excellent at what we do or we're subject matter experts. But maybe it's the people skills we're a little bit short-suited. Well, that's that's for sure. And I think, I think too, what um, everybody assumes is that, um, you know, if you get a degree or a master's or something like that, you're an expert. At, but um, that doesn't mean that you can relate to people. And so um, honing up on those skills and... Um, Learning a little bit of that emotional intelligence, um, I think, is a really important thing. It's um, it's om- almost seen as a paradox, emotional intelligence. How can you be intelligent and still be emotional? So it's the constructive use of emotions that we talk about here. Uh, and in the advice process, you know, it's uh, very, very important to be able to um, look at two things in that. Uh, emotional intelligence is very much about um, self-awareness and self-management. Do I know what I'm going through right now in this meeting with my clients? And can I manage myself? Yeah. And then can I also read the room? Am I socially aware? Uh, and then can I manage the relationship? And so it's a, it's a two-way thing. And um, often what happens, I think, is we think we're really good at it, but we're not. I, 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 when you say read the room, I do laugh at the number of meetings I've been into with another professional where that professional spoken for about 95% of the meeting. Yeah. The client didn't get a word in. And then they walked out and went, gee, that, that went well. <laughs> Hold so, on. So I, I like to I like to think you know I'm I'm uh, I'm a coach and I like to think that I work on the eighty twenty rule and that is can I get my client talking about eighty percent of the time because um, I think um, people get um, as we say present to their truth when they hear their own story so that's my job I reckon but when we look at this um, this world of emotional intelligence you know there's a, a phrase that says logic makes me think but emotions make me act and so 
what drives my behaviour is my emotion. And quite often, if I'm not careful, my emotions can hijack my logic. Um, you know, and somebody else also told me that, you know, we have emotions so that we can help ourselves make decisions when logic's just not enough. You know, so it is about adding a, another string to your, to your, to your bow of um, technical ability. There's a, um, the word emotion, uh, emotion, comes from the Latin root of the word motare, which means to move. So it's like the spirit that moves us. What gets us moving on anything? And um, when we work with uh, our clients around things, we just want to give them a really simple way of checking in. Now, one of the previous podcasts, we talked about the pies model. Remember that? And that yes. was the political, um, which is, hello, how are you going? And let's, let's build a bit of rapport. Then the intellectual, which is bring out the documentation and the, and the numbers and so on. But then being able to go down below the line into the emotional and spiritual. And when we talk about that um, emotion, I think a lot of people don't know how they feel themselves. They don't have an emotional vocabulary to be able to explain to themselves how they feel or to be able to elicit the feeling from other people, i.e. their clients. So we just give um, four major buckets of feelings. Now, there are thousands of feelings and they're very nuanced and, um, you know, for particular situations. But for us, we just like to, to know how you're feeling about something. Sad, mad, glad, or scared. And it could be a combination of those. Um, and you may have a high level of feeling in one and a low level in the other. Um, but, you know, as I said, there are thousands of feelings, but those four major feelings are the ones. So when we talk about sad, that could be from something like a low level of just melancholy, uh, through through disappointment to a great deal of you know high level of grief, we could be looking at the mad one going from I'm just a little bit annoyed about something to absolutely enraged. Uh, it could be that you know when I'm feeling glad that I'm just kind of mellow and cruisy and so on today, or it could be I could be euphoric or blissful. And in that scared piece, you know, just a little bit uncertain, uh, through to nervousness uh, and maybe even to that point of terror. I get that. And for me, the sadness is that sense of a past loss or possibly sense of a future loss. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to a, um, a client of mine this morning who's a, uh, a sportsman in, in Europe and he was talking about what's going on in the team and I said, well, tell me how you feel about things. And he went, well, I'm actually sad and I'm mad. Okay, so now we have a conversation. Tell me what you're sad about. Well, we've built a really strong culture and it's starting to fall apart. Okay, so then we the follow-up question is, well, how do we get that back? What have you got to do to maintain that culture and build it back up again? And then also the anger, and that is, you know, generally um, when we say people are, are mad, it's the emotion of change. So what needs to change? And, you know, sometimes it, the situation needs to change, but often it's we need to change our response to what's going on because we can't control everything. Um and then when people are feeling, you know, pleased or glad about something, you know, it's a great um, place for your clients to be, but not the only place. So if a client comes in and says, oh, that work you've been doing for us has been great, that's, I'm really happy with that. You go, okay, well, this is what we need to do, do to maintain that. And also, I've got a couple of ideas where we might be able to improve that. Uh, and that last one is scared. Um, you know, I like to live my life, um, you know, high glad, and a low level of scared because scared helps me to keep um, jumping out of my comfort zone and trying things that I've never tried before. 
So when we're feeling a little bit scared about something, we just ask the question, do you need to be safe or brave? And uh, it's a question that, that um, so many of my clients go, well, I need to be brave. And I go, okay, well, now let's build a plan that is smart brave because not, there's not, dumb brave <laughs> and smart brave. Yeah, Dumb brave would be to go and, um, you, know, um, you know, tell your truth and then um, paint yourself into a corner or burn your bridges. Smart brave is let's build a plan and, and tactically work out how I need to bring this issue up. I think I spend a lot of my time in that ex-frightened yeah. <laughs> excited but frightened. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the funny thing about emotions is that they're, they're physiological. Um, even though we talk about it as part of mental health, your emotions are actually, uh, you know, manifest themselves quite physically. Um, when I'm feeling sad, what happens is that my blood pressure drops, my temperature drops, um, you know, and my breathing slows down. What I want to happen when I'm sad is that I want to be nurtured. I want things to slow down a bit so I can feel comforted. Um, when I'm feeling angry, the blood rushes to my upper body. So you might hear people say, oh, their blood boiled, or they went really sure. red in the face. Yep. You know? And it's that blood rushing to the upper body, particularly the hands and the arms, which is the fight <clears throat> response that we have. Remembering that our emotions are part of our limbic system or our more primitive part of us. Um, and then also, you know, when I'm feeling glad, my brain just uh, floods itself with uh, serotonin and oxytocin, the, the chemicals that create hope and optimism for a future world. And when I'm feeling scared, this is the flight response, and that is that the blood rushes to my lower body uh, so that I can run away. So I get my knees start knocking. Yeah, and you get butterflies. Um, sometimes even people get so frightened that they wet themselves. So it's the blood rushing down to that lower part of the body. Uh, now, if as an advisor, I can actually check in with how I'm feeling about things, yeah, it'll give me some information because the, the feelings contain data or information about what's going on for you. And then if I can find that out from my client, I've got more of an idea about how they're going to respond to something. Uh, I remember the first financial advisor that my wife and I had, and it just intellectually made sense to, to do this. But we walked out of there and my wife was really angry and I said, what's the matter? And she said, I feel like we've lost control of our own lives and our finances, that we're going to be tied into something that I don't want to be tied into, even though it makes sense. Now, the advisor didn't have enough uh, skill to be able to check in with us. To, to realise that. Yeah. And so what happened was, through that anger um, and that frustration, we never kept to the plan. So do you think if you had to ask that question, how do you feel about this plan, and gave you an emotional vocabulary, that would have helped Liz articulate yeah, I think it would, you know. Um, and, you know, it may have meant that um, the, the plan might have needed to be tweaked a bit so Liz felt like she had a bit more freedom or liberation to be able to do the things she wanted to do for herself and the family, you know. So I think there's a really important, you know, skill for, for all advisors to have, whether, you, you know, um, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a financial advisor or whoever you are. It's a great personal skill to have. Um, I think there's some great uh, relationship... Um, information in this, how to, how to run a relationship with your, your primary partner, your spouse or, or partner, and also parenting. So do you think, is it just a matter of asking the client, how do you feel about this situation? No, I think the follow-up questions are, yeah, what do you feel like you've lost? So as I said when I was talking to uh, my athlete this morning, it was a loss of culture, yeah? So now that gives us a conversation to have about how we might be able to bring that back. Um, so it is... is um, 
not just asking the question and leaving it there, honour the feeling enough. Don't try to change the feeling. And often what we do is, you know, we'll go, well, how are you feeling about that? Good, eh? Yeah. And then we'll move on. And the person hasn't had a chance to, to or, say anything about it. Or I'll say, how are you feeling about it? And they'll go, I think it's okay. Hmm. Yeah. Or, yeah, it's good or, you know, getting there or but not bad. But we've gone back up into intellectual, not yeah. gone below the line into the emotion. Yeah. So and I want a little bit of specifics around what the person is feeling. And so I give them that. And I say, um, you know, it'll be one of these or a combination of those. So, for instance... So you know, you'll give them the words. Yes, yeah, sad, mad, glad. How do you feel about that? Sad, mad, glad, scared or a combination of those. Um, and sometimes they'll go, well, I'm glad. And I go, well, I can pick up something. Yeah, I'm reading the room here and I can look at you and I can go, you know what, there's something else in there. What is that? And I'll go, well, I'm a bit annoyed. I'm a bit ticked off about something. All right, tell us about that. And it opens up that conversation again. Uh, so it's about me playing my hunches, not just to listen. Uh, you know, and I think what stops a lot of advisors actually going into this world of emotion is the, you know, that they, they feel like they, it's not their job. You know, oh, I'm not a counsellor, they tell me. Well, no, you're not a counsellor and neither am I, but I do want to know how someone feels because that'll tell me how they're going to behave. And if they're dissatisfied with things or if they're upset or if they're um, scared, well, that's going to drive their behaviour. So I want to know about that so we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely think this is a skill set. If you want to sit on that family board and play that role, mm. this is a, uh, you know, a strong suit that you need to develop. Yeah. And quite often I think what happens is with advisors is they want to project it out and ask the client, but they don't check in with themselves as well about how they feel. You know, um, and I know plenty of clients that are going in for a, a major meeting, sorry, plenty of um, advisors that go in for a major meeting and they're scared themselves. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're playing in this world of safety and so they bring all their documentation and just engage at an intellectual level, not at a, an emotional level. And so, Brian, this is all about how we run a meeting and the agenda we run, but then it also lends itself to... Profound listening. Okay, yep. And that, that concept of profound listening is um, one of the, the true masters, you know, skills of mastery, I think, that advisors can have. When you listen truly, um, people often say that it's the most powerful tool of healing. Not to be listened to, but to actually be heard, you know. And so to, to actually have somebody be able to through the quality of your questioning and then your listening, be able to um, feel as though that they're, they're actually getting present again to what's really going on for them. Mm, I love the way you said feel as though. Tell me about that. What did I say? You said feel as though. So, you know, you're listening, but oh, they yes. feel as though That's they've right. been heard. Yeah. And, and the ability for an advisor um, to hold the space when there's emotion in the room and not try to shut it down to fix it or fade it, um, you know, is a real skill, I think, you know, and that's when the pay dirt comes because that's when the person feels truly acknowledged, uh, truly seen, you know, I am here with you today and we'll get through this together, yeah, we'll celebrate the highs and lows together, but we'll be together through this. And that, I think, is, is something that, um, you know, all clients value is that you're with me on this journey. You know, it's what we call compassion and it means that it's not, not sympathy, you know, but it's much more about empathy. I understand, yeah? I understand and I can hear it. Very good. So just on the profound listening. Yep. 
Yep, we're all very good at talking, maybe not so good at listening. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, given we're subject matter experts, we want to demonstrate how. Sure. So I think I think that that's probably as a coach, that's my um, one of my top two skills. One is questioning, and the other one is listening. And you can't listen if you're talking. So, you know, I'd be wanting to um, maybe not rehearse, but read through a list of quality questions that I might think of asking during the, during the meeting with people. And when people get together, um, you know, your clients, if you get your clients talking, they're probably going to tell you a story. And it'll be like, well, you know what happened? This happened, and then she did this, and then he said that, and all that sort of stuff, you know? I never listen to my client's story much, but I certainly listen to what the story means for them. So yeah. is that listening for context? It's just absolutely listening for context, yeah. Uh, Elizabeth and I had our, um, our uh, meeting with our advisors this week and they were very, very clear about knowing what our contexts are, which is freedom, um, lifestyle, family and some security. So they... I'd, be, I'd be nervous if I was your advisor. <laughs> <laughs> you give me a report card at the end of it. Well, I did, I did, yeah. Well, I've coached them and so it's very, very nice to be on the other end of that, I think. Um, but, you know, so don't listen to the story is one of the key, key ingredients, but listen for what the story means for the person. Um, listen for what's not being said as well. So I was working with a, um, an advisor one day and taking them through some, some goal setting and so on. And we were talking about the estate plan and he never, ever mentioned his children. I said, tell me about your children. He went, oh, my son's at uni. I'm really proud of him. And I go, yeah, but there's something else there. What is it? He went, oh, my daughter, she's married to a bikie and I don't want to leave them any money. Okay, let's have that conversation, yeah? Rather than him not bringing it up, I asked the question, tell me about your children. And from that, we were able to get clearer and clearer about what he wanted to do with his, um, with his legacy. Another one is power words, and that is people just often say the same word time and time again, um, or a word that just hits you differently. You know, and I don't know how to describe it any other way, but if you're listening intently, you'll know that um, the intonation around that word is much more powerful than perhaps you would expect in a normal conversation. Um, the key ingredient to um, profound listening too is listen with the eyes. So if I've got my head down and I'm taking file notes and things like that, I can't see. So I'd like to, to suggest that you know we have a, somebody sitting second chair that's Absolutely. taking the notes yep. because you can see those micro expressions, the size, the, the body language that gives you information about what's really going on. And even you know you can often see um, you know um, two partners look at each other you know with that that, that um, secret language that, that they have. That and you knowing go, what's look? that about? Yep. Yeah. Um, so listen with the eyes. Another one is um, listening for distress. So I often say that distress lies in the words that people de-stress. Um, they, take, um, they take the energy out of it. So it could be um, something that they just hurry over. Um, I, I tell a story often of a uh, client of mine who is a um, steel manufacturer. And I said, how's business? And he went, oh, business is really great. We've, we've you know, employed some, some new boilermakers. They've been really good. The welders are great. We're winning nearly every tender. Um, you know, so things are great. If that young bloke, uh, anyhow, yeah, things are really good. I said, tell me about the young bloke. And he went, that's my son over there and he's not suited to the business. I said, well, why is he here? And he went, oh, because he went to uni and he bombed out and my wife said he's not sitting at home so he's stuck in my business and it's, he's distractive. 
So I called him over and I said, do you like being here? The son, and he went, no, I hate it. <laughs> I said, well, right, what would you rather do? He said, I wouldn't mind having a trade. I said, well, what particularly? He said, oh, Sparky, electrician. I go, you really want to be an electrician? He go, yeah. And I happen to know somebody has a few trucks driving around Brisbane who's an electrician. So I rang him up and I said, I've got somebody here that's looking for an apprenticeship. What do you think? And he went and sent him over to me. Five years later, he's still working for the same guy. And, but the father who runs the steel manufacturing business thinks I'm terrific because I just listened to that piece that he hurried over, the distress word that he didn't want to tell me about. Because I often say that there's no such thing as a bad communicator. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, if you're sitting there with your arms crossed... <laughs> yeah, whatever, who yep. cares? Not engaged. Yeah. Yep. You're communicating. That's a powerful communication, yep. yeah. And, um, and so that's an important one, I think. And then um, just, the, just the last one, I think, is quite often there's a bit of pay dirt in things that people want to defend or justify. So again, you know, talking to um, this young sportsman over there in Europe and talking about the culture in the team, and I just said to him, it sounds like you're doing a lot of politicking. Yep, so you're not concentrating on, on the game and the team, but you're actually concentrating in the boardroom, which is not where you should be. And he got really angry and defensive. Yep, and I said, well, you sit on that and I'll give you a call again on Monday. So I'll call him on Monday and I'm pretty sure he's going to be able to go, yep, I have. I've had my nose in places where I shouldn't. Yeah. So profound listening, you know, couple that with, um, you know, really intuitive questions. And I think you've got a great opportunity then to bring a great deal more meaning to the actual, you know, planning so, that you do for people. The, the so front, let's make this real now. So I'm an advisor listening to this and I'm going into a meeting. Um, how do I prepare myself or, you know, make myself jump off the cliff here? And, you know, I know it's baby steps, but is it, is it as simple as write down mad, sad, glad and scared on top of my pen and on top of my paper? Sure. As easy as, <clears throat> as easy as doing that. I think the first thing, though, is, is that a lot of times um, we go in to see our clients and we've got all of our collateral ready. We've got our paperwork, we've got our graphs, we've got our reports and so on. But we don't prepare ourselves, you know. Um, and, and so we go in there and we dive straight into um, the content, but we don't set up um, a connection between us and our clients. Yeah? So I think that's a really important thing to get myself ready for that meeting. And for that, it could be... For today's meeting, I'm confident, clear and curious about what might turn up today. Yeah? As opposed to, I'm going to this meeting and, oh, God, I've got to get a sale. Mm. Yeah? And I go in with a desperation that people can feel. You know? um, there's a saying in sport that says, you know, can, you, can you play like nothing's at stake when everything's at stake? That's a great saying. Yeah, and I was talking to an advisor recently and, and um, if somebody came in and they had couple of hundred thousand to invest, how would that be? Oh, that's that's easy. Okay, so they come in now and they've got a couple of hundred million. <gasps> yeah. And so they change their behaviour because of the circumstance of that. Yeah. And it's much more about, you know, um, how I hold hold my space and run through my my processes with people and connect with people than it is about the money. Yeah. Um, and I think all of you um, have known when you've gone to somebody who's desperate for a sale. Yep, absolutely. It's not a great place to be. You don't feel heard, you don't feel listened to, you're being sold to. So let's summarise this now. Um, emotional intelligence, something that we need to get our head around 
maybe get our heart into, yes. um, understand mad, sad, glad and scared, start to feel confident to ask the feeling question with clients. Yep. yep. And the follow-up questions, again, as I said, you know, sadness, the emotion of loss. What's lost or what do you feel like you're going to lose? Anger, what needs to change? Yep. Uh, feeling good about things, how do we maintain and improve that? And when I'm feeling a bit nervous about something, do we need to be safe or brave? Follow up with those questions. Yeah. And then relate it back to the work that you're doing with them so that the, the, the actual plan or, and the implementation now has a, an emotional um, meaning for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I love to ask that question for clients at the end of a first interview about here's where you're up to now, here's where you're trying to get to, how you feel about that situation. Mm-hmm. So they're looking at the whiteboard, seeing their life on the board, going, oh, yep, I'm pretty glad, or oh, no. Well, quite often it's, you know, they'll come to you in their mid-40s or something and they go, I've been working for 25 years and, and look how much money I've wasted. What have I got for that? Yep. I'm really angry about that and really, really nervous too about the next 20 years. Great. Well, that gives us a conversation about, you know, um, how we're going to shift from where you are now to the new reality. Which, you know, leads into that advisor role. I think my role is to help you get from point A to point B with the highest degree of probability and the least amount of risk. Mm-hmm. And there's different ways we can do that and I need to check in with the client to see how they're feeling about those different scenarios. Yeah. And I think, too, you know, we often think that when you ask a feelings question, it brings tension into the room. Uh, tension is not necessarily bad. Tension can be excitement. It can be motivation. It can be determination. Yeah. But, um, you know, again, logic makes me think. Emotions make me act. So if we can, um, if we can get the client to, to get into the emotional state of wanting to follow this advice and do it properly, then they're motivated to, to, you know, get where they need to go. And then just to finish, Brian, on the profound listening, if I'm an advisor listening to this, mm-hmm. when I go into my next meeting, what could I be doing? Well, the first thing I think is, is to um, listen with the eyes. So get us somebody in that second chair um, so that you can actually see what's going on with your client or, or a couple or three or whoever's in the room there. And... The next one is just try try listening for context. Don't listen to the Don't story. Listen to the story. What it means. I think that's that's a key ingredient to that. Yeah, and then the major thing though is play your hunches. Quite often you go, I can't ask that because I've got no evidence that that's so. But my guess is that most times the pay dirt is in the unsaid stuff, you know, and the things that you if you are attuned to the meeting, you'll pick up information. Yeah that they don't even know that they're saying. Mm-hmm. So. That's so good, Brian. Now, I'm, I want to finish with, we haven't spoken for a little while and you've been around the country talking to advisors. Is there a particular habit or skill set that you really like in some of the advisors that you've seen that are successful advisors? Well, I think what I'm seeing uh, is the successful advisors are the ones who um, after the Royal Commission and FASIR and all those things, have just gone, this is the new reality, just deal with that. Stop trying to go, it shouldn't be like this. What if it was different? It isn't different. Yep, there are new rules, there are new <coughs> ways of doing things and expectations upon us, and it is the acceptance of that new reality rather than trying to fight <laughs> fight the old way. That's beautiful, because I, I love that, because this ties back to the emotion again. There's a lot of advisors out there being very mad yeah, <laughs> about yeah. this. And emotions change, and it's a mindset. Yeah. You know, there's a, a, great, um, a great Buddhist nun, 
Pema Chowdhury, her name is. And she has this saying that I, I think has sustained me for a long time in life, and that is, heaven or hell, bliss or terror, just keep going. No feeling is final. No feeling is final. So when you're elated about things, it will change. And when you're down in the dumps about things, it will change. Yeah. So it's just about keep going. And again, just going back to the advisors, and, and this is not only um, in financial advice, it's also you know, in the other professions as well. When you fall out of love with your business, business is hard. When you love what you do and you love your people and you love your staff and you love the name of your business and you love it when you send out invoices, yep. <laughs> all of those things, when you fall in love with your business again, that's when I think your energy is, is, is much better and people pick that up and you become far more attractive you know, to your distribution sources and your referral partners and, and your clients as well. That is a beautiful way to finish this podcast. Go in love, Brian. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Gap Podcast. We're all about empowering advisors, giving them additional tools for their toolkit to give great advice. Great advice leads to great business frameworks, which leads to great results for the community.